Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo show, which is a part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. Today, we have Matt Haranik, the founder of WM Brown Magazine. We talk about how he's manufactured this deeply depressing, glorious life that we'd all like to have, where he lives in all sorts of different countries and travels around and, and sees and experiences things that are all seemingly fantastic. We talk about our mutual love of the Fiat Panda. We talk about watches um, and a whole array of other deeply fascinating things. So let's get into it. Well, first of all, Matt Hranek. We're recording. Yeah, we're okay. recording. Hi. So don't say anything disgusting. Okay. It's delightful to have you here, man. Fart. <laughs> Welcome to Blatheropolis. Thank you. A uh, pleasure, to, <laughs> pleasure to be here in person. <laughs> so you told me you want me to discuss your tan. I think most of this podcast will be talking about your tan. Is that right? Well, first of all, I am tanorexic. <laughs> I can never be too tan. Like I'm a massive fan of the tan. Me too. And when I was in the, the last time we spoke in the German fasting clinic. <laughs> um, now, can I just say I'm convinced that all these trips you're taking are Zoom backgrounds. <laughs> I don't think they're actually... Wait, before, before I'm not we, technically that good. Before we out him on his Zoom backgrounds, yeah. who is he? Matt Haranik is founding editor, founding father of WM Brown, the gentleman's magazine That's for right. gentlemen. That's right. Um, and Of what, all shapes and sizes. Of all, it's all inclusive. And what would it be... It, it, I feel like it's kind of like Disney World of English aristocracy. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> like you've the... got all these different. It's actually Epcot Center because you've got all the, you've got Cigar Land, you've got Land Rover World, you've got um, Barber Barber Planet, you've got yeah. what, other, what other glory? You've got Negroniville. Well, <laughs> I mean that is a very good description of it. I think that you know I grew up in the kind of magazine business first as a photographer, then as an editor. My wife has been in the magazine world. And uh, I, I just got sick of like buying, at least when you could, right? Go to a magazine shop and buy like eight different titles that you were all <clears throat> interested in, right. you know? So, I'd go to the Japanese one and buy Free and Easy and then I'd buy Road and Track and da, da, da. So, Latin Inches. <laughs> Bum. <laughs> That's right. An amazing magazine. Yeah. Incredible print quality. Yeah. Amazing print. They, I think they printed in America. <laughs> um, the, so, I just was like when all that world was dismantling and, you know, Yolanda got fired from Condé Nast, my contract was up at Condé Nast and I was like, you know what? Why don't we just make a magazine with all that stuff under one umbrella? And I, I sort of felt like, you know, maybe Walt Disney, when he opened Disney World, like maybe he's not alone. Maybe people want to come, you know, ride giant pink elephants and stuff like that. <laughs> right. And so, and I was right. You know, it's very site specific. It's, you know, niche And Well, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, as, a as niches go, it's a fairly broad niche. But how did you, let me ask you this. So, did you have to persuade people? How did you go about persuading people as viable? You just made it and then people saw it and said, this is a great idea. Well, I knew that... Because of, you know, everyone's a publisher now, right? Because in the right. digital world and everyone's a photographer and everyone's this right. and everyone's that. And it's too easy uh, for people who are smart at computers to build this thing digitally. So, I said, I'm not doing that. We, we have to create a proof of concept. Let's just make a magazine. And I had been, you know, I'd just come off. Which is off, kind of going in the face of the, the whole direction of where things were or are still going. Well, I, sure. I saw it kind of dismantling the, the kind of conventional magazine world was kind of dismantling. It. And then, yeah. uh, but I like the physical object, object and I wanted to, it to be kind of a portfolio of sorts, like a launch pad for 
other things that were digital. But I really wanted this physical thing and I wanted it evergreen and all this other stuff. So, um, I had pitched this book idea to a publisher that was sort of a men's style thing, but I didn't want like another how to, like the world doesn't need to know how to tie a bow tie. Like go figure it out. Like, get a, you, you know, YouTube. get a YouTube. I mean, I fixed my bloody dishwasher on YouTube. Somebody can figure out how to tie a tie, right? So I said, let's make this kind of men's lifestyle like seasonal and let's kind of talk about all the things I, I like, right? right? Selfishly. <laughs> right. Um, so my, my wife Yolanda has been a creative director at Condé Nast for a long time. So I knew I had like an art department in-house and we found a printer and we, um, we had to figure out how to pay for it. And, um, and this is true story. I was like, I was like, I don't want to sell any watches or anything. Like I didn't want to like get rid of anything. <laughs> and Oh, you mean of your own watch? Of my own. Right. I, I was like, I'm I would have sell, sold Yolanda. Yeah, I'm happy to sell anything you have, Yolanda. What do you have that we could sell to yeah. sponsor my magazine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I had this 2016 um, Land Rover LR4 that I built from the factory to spec as I wanted it because they said they weren't going to make it anymore. And I love that car. It was two in the morning. There was a huge storm that had happened in the afternoon, but it was a dry night. And I heard like it's a dry storm. It was a dry storm. A dry storm. <laughs> and I heard a crack, like a, somebody shot a <laughs> shotgun. And a London pl planes tree. The car was parked in front of my house in Brooklyn. Fell, broke at the top, and fell down the middle of my Land Rover. Okay, <laughs> the only car on the street. It just like pan it actually didn't pancake it because Landys have those steel frames. Right. But I walked out and there was like a thousand pound tree <laughs> just right down the middle of this car. So there's your insurance money to start the. And I took the money and I called. First of all, I called my account and I was like, they, they just cut me a check for whatever for the full right. value of the car, which is what three hundred fifty three dollars. <laughs> yeah, three hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> it was one. Of, it came out of your garage. Yeah, well, yeah. Today, right. actually, in today's market. 350K could be realistic. <laughs> right. No, no. But it was a significant amount of money and I was like, okay, now we're going to pay for the magazine. Right. So, I ended up- And then up... Yolanda said, can I have my stuff back? <laughs> <laughs> did, like, did you get everything out of the car? Yeah, yeah. So, then I, um, we had the means to do that and then we, you Okay, know. but here's the part for me that's confusing and, and, and kind of awesome at the same time, which is basically my entire life. I'm simultaneously confused and awe-inspired. So- uh, you have you make a magazine, but then how do you figure out how to sell it? Aha, uh -huh. like, that's aha. Uh -huh. What do you like? Do you go around to like newsstands and go, "Hey, uh, that, you know"? That is basically it because you're right. Like we knew how to make a magazine, and sure. I put it up on Instagram, and there was probably like a thousand DMs. Like, I need to buy this thing. I had no idea about distribution. I mean, but that's the common problem of any good idea. How do you get it to market? Right. So we built this thing, and we were like, "Shit." I'm going to have to go to the U.S. Post Office and mail every single one of these copies. <laughs> I have a similar experience with Viva Bastardo. Right. That's it. Distribution. Right. It's like how do you, you know, you hire some grunt to pack envelopes. But that those grunts were Yolanda and I. Right. And I remember for it was around Christmas because the magazine came out in the fall and we were going to be in Los Angeles and we took a suite. Uh, we were generously upgraded to a suite at my friend's hotel at the Sunset Tower. And I said, Jeff, um, can you bring a printer up? <laughs> <laughs> to the room and most of that Christmas, we um, printed out labels and mailed magazines all over the place. Right. But so- And you... then we found a kind of proper distribution model. So- um... But I did run to all these stores. But so, but the initial, um, the initial uh, subscriptions are all from Instagram followers. Yeah. I it, it all, it was all promoted uh, and 
and kind of pushed out there by by an Instagram dialogue. Yeah. Okay. And it, and it works, and it, it, you know, and it kind of, the Instagram works simultaneously with the magazine. So that is sort of the digital element. So people are like, is this magazine online? And I'm like, no, go buy it. Right. Or I'll send you one. But the, it's, there's not a digital leg that's exactly the magazine. That is its own entity. And then. Well, you have the, we have like a OnlyFans thing. Yeah. It's, it's just you We're drinking. Not. It's just you drinking Negronis <laughs> naked. Yeah. Yeah, not, no, I'm wearing pants. I'm okay. not wearing a shirt. Right. Um, it's just all shirtless. Just put a bow tie. His feet are exposed, though. Yeah. It's uh, the way the feet. feet. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that. So we've we we're definitely more professional now. I'm on my tenth issue this month. Um, Yolanda launched her magazine Yellow Journal. So it's been going for a year. It's like a, two years. Two now. years. Yeah. We, I mean, we kept trying to get four issues a year. Like that's a really great number, like quarterly. But right. the reality is, three issues is enough. It's quarterly-ish. It's quarterly-ish. Right. Just like the William Brown um, Weekly is not always weekly. <laughs> it's weekly-ish. <laughs> weekly-ish. <laughs> I feel like ish is a good business model. Oh, ish is... This is based on the ish model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how you go in with the, with the investors. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, we, you know, I don't know. It's been a fun little ride with it and I've met incredible people. We've had this kind of great opportunity. But I feel to... like the magazine has basically allowed you to live this. I mean, I don't, yes. know, I don't know if the, is your Instagram life actually, is it as good as it is in real life? Is there, wow, come on. it looks amazing on Instagram. Well, first, I mean, this, it's, it's obnoxious, but it's like, we obviously frame a very specific world that we want the world to of see. Course. Like you don't see me picking up like my Jack Russell, Russell my Jack Russell's loose stool. You know, it's like I'm not into that. You know, it's like rattling around in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. You're like squeezing it in a like New York Times bag. <laughs> okay, can I just have a quick side about dogs? Like I, I'm, I'm, I was always against small dogs, but now we have a small dog. What kind of dog, Mister Frumples? Is it like a poodle goodle doodle thing? Yeah, it's a hypoallergenic. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hypoallergenic animatronic pillow basically yeah. but what's genius about the small dogs is the tiny poo because every time i see like you know you see the big oh, dogs yeah. in new york and i feel like people are g- touching human sized poos yeah in their yeah, hands. yeah no, and no, I, no. i'm not i feel like you want to have the small like tic tac size poo yeah and i had two dogs at one point and picking up two poos was thankfully two small dogs but picking up poo of any size is not good it's just <laughs> it's not, not really what you as a kid what well, you no, it's, it's grounding yeah, <laughs> it but, reminds you who you are. Bring you're right. It brings yeah. you back down to earth. But you know, I live in Park Slope, and, and it's a neighbor that I really don't like. But um, because there's like this all this like kind of old liberal guard there, right. like you know, people kind of all walking around with like different versions of public television bags, you know, <laughs> or public radio. I have to say, look, I'm a firm <laughs> like you know far left wing lunatic geezer. Well, not far, but anyway, but. But I do feel like when I listen to NPR, sometimes I'm really enraged by the soothing quality of the voices. Like, why can't they have a strident voice on NPR? Well, the thing about NPR also is like you have those voices telling you the most depressing things ever. <laughs> it's sort of like, but how should they deliver them? Uh, With, I mean, I, 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 I actually listen more to Howard Stern now than NPR <laughs> because I just can't deal with it. Right. But you know, but those, so if it wasn't Brooklyn and Park Slope, where would it be it, if you had your druthers? No, Stark. but, but the, the thing about the Park Slope thing is like here I am. Uh, let's say this scenario i'm in a suit okay right um bespoke plaid close bespoke tweed yeah no socks yeah no socks what is with the no socks yeah when did that happen no one ever no one ever wears socks anymore in in wm brown i've never worn socks actually and very rarely really yeah on an airplane i will um but not even the little socky things oh no never those those little like ped things no yeah but then you get this full stilton toes no 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 no, no. You don't get sweaty. My, my feet are in great shape. 
<laughs> that could be another show. That's a, yeah. That's so the only fans thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm standing there, like holding what is obviously, if you subscribe to the New York Times, the blue bag that was in the New York Times, right? right. So I'm holding a blue bag, blue bag from the New York Times. I'm in a suit. I have an, a single breed, non rescue dog, right. and who's just crapping. Yeah. Inevitably, somebody will come out of their brownstone, you know, with that W whatever public television oh. bag, and say, "Are you going to pick that up?" <laughs> and I'm like. Oh my god! Are you? Can you see who you're looking? Of course, I'm picking up the <laughs> what? Like, because a suit means that you're going to pick up the poo? like a middle aged kind of you know pasty white guy. You could guy be a, you could the, be a you know, poo abandoner. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be do the responsible thing. Oh, that's one of the great things about New York when it snows is that when the snow melts, oh. this it's kind of like an Egyptologist's dream. Like oh, it just reveals God. all these sarcophaguses of mummified horrible. dog shit everywhere in the it's horrible. city. And it's yell- all the yellow and then yeah. it, no, it's horrible. Snow is good in New York for about two ten, minutes. I was, ten yeah. minutes. Ten minutes tops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I, if I, you could live anywhere then, if it's not Park Slope full of uh, <sighs> public radio toting. I, lo- I mean, I, I've spent 200 and some 25 days on the road last year or something like that, right? And uh, Yolanda did the calculation. Caucus, Newark. <laughs> yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> Albany. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like, it was like, why do people complain? Like you hear people who travel out, they go like, I, I'm like living out of a suitcase. It's horrible. Yeah, it's but that's great. Because, yeah, but that's because people are going where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to Secaucus and yeah. you're going yeah. So wait, so wait, where are you going? Because I'm assuming it's tied into the magazine work. I think mostly. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've kind of negotiated this now that our life is our work, right? Like, so like we're traveling around, like we were, we spent six weeks in Europe kind of like building out stories and developing stuff and whatever. And then we have this, sorry. And then we have this house in the Southwest of France. Okay, you apologize to the microphone. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, I just, Mike. I just bopped the mic. <laughs> um, but I love, you know, I really love spending time in Europe now. I really love it. You know, I'm from, my mom's half Italian. My father was Eastern European. Czech, actually. Uh, so that, I don't know. I love being there. I'm like the happiest version of myself there. So I we're spending a lot of time. I'm, I just rented. I mean, when I look at your Instagram, man, I just think this is what I, I want to be, Haranic. I've considered skinning you and just putting, wearing it, wearing the <laughs> wearing skin. Just the face. Silas Lamb style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> after I'm tan though. <laughs> Only after you're tan. Yeah. I'm not going to go for the yeah. pasty, yeah. untanned Haranic. Um, but no, I'd le- I listen, I've always kind of, been a, been a hustler, a grinder. And, sure. you know, when I first moved to New York as a photographer and I was assisting, like, I just was like, I want to work for photographers who are traveling places because right. I wanted somebody else to basically pay for me to see the world, which is sort of what happened as starting as a grunt assistant. And then I just wanted to keep maintaining that as a grunt editor of a right. magazine. Um, but but I, cre- I, I mean, it it's, it's glorious, man, because you have created this, you've created a uh, a, a business that happens to be a lifestyle that happens to enable you to just travel around all the time and and see and do glorious things. At, at least from the outside, that's what it seems well, like. And I know there's a shitload of grunt work that's happening. Sure, um, but I also feel like we live in this amazing kind of golden age of being able to do that. Right, and us. also you're lucky that Yolanda, the misses. The brains of the operation, <laughs> as we right. say, dear commissar, yeah. as I like to call my wife. She has a similar. I mean, she has her own magazine, yeah. so you kind of it works perfectly for both of you. Yeah, because my does. wife Carla is she has a very posh, uh, like normal job, 
But we, I, if I, I was saying to the other day, it'd be so great. Like, look what Hranik's doing. Why can't we do that? She says, well, I have to be in an office. I've got to run an office of 80,000 people. Like, you yeah. know, she can't, yeah. she can't do that. Well, there was a period when Yolanda was kind of, you know, tethered to a desk at Condé Nast as an art director and had to be there and manage people and stuff right. like that, where, um, you know, I was on the road working as, as a photographer. So, and, I worked with Yolanda. I know. Did she say that guy's such an arsehole? What did you say? Wow, well, I've never Many met people have, but it wasn't her. <laughs> you heard it endlessly. I've heard it before, endlessly. believe me. But me no, not her. It, it was that Traveler, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I love your pictures. And I actually... It's I've too actually, late now, man. You no, no, no. I mean, I, we've run those beautiful helmet pictures yeah. in, in, in the magazine. You. But um, no, Yolanda had a... She was one of those great kind of... She was a photo at, photo director first and she was at W and then became got into the more creative side but like i loved that she always kind of championed the photographer and not the and not the expected one right, right. like it wasn't just like we're going to work with bruce weber and mario to you know it was <laughs> right. like it, it, i i actually thought cuz i was at that level you were that i was top I, a, a, a list. Yeah, i was a let's yeah. get toledano in <laughs> yeah but i think it was just it, that part was really boring for her it was far more interesting to kind of develop talent and, and assign the right people rather sure. than that and i really admired that and uh, I think she was great at what she does, at what she did, and and having all those resources of of great photographers that she was so supportive of now support her incredibly right. uh, with at the magazine. You have Dewey Nick shoot a lot. I saw. Dewey's, you know, I used to assist Dewey. Nick. I used oh, to yeah? schlep cameras for Dewey. Really? Fantastic. Yeah, it, it was amazing time right. time frame. Like I love, I love, you know, I love taking care of people. I was a great photo assistant. You know, I just was like really love that. I could Dewey make some jokes about that. About yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, no back massage. No. Um, I will apply I've little, sunscreen. I've got a little, little crick here, man. If you could just, you just no. a little, just I, I, with the elbow. No, I will. I will apply sunscreen, but that's <laughs> that's it. There. You draw the line. Um, so just to, let's change gears for a yeah. second. I want to discuss um, your vehicular history. Oh yeah, because I know. I mean, you've shown me pictures of this thing, and and I think it is it is I think peak Giza mobile in the best possible way. So it is the the Lancia. Lancia. Yeah. See, I like the way I say Lancia like an English person. You go Lancia. 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 You just, a Lancia. A Lancia. A Lancia. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you could speak Italian without actually speaking Italian. I'm a good mimic. That's why, even though like I speak five languages, like a mentally challenged four year old, like it's like horrible. But, <laughs> but you do it with gusto. I have, I, yeah, I have good accent. You see, that's the thing for me. I've always had good accent, and the, the, the danger of having good accent is. Because I speak a few languages, but similar to you, but with a tiny vocabulary. But because I say it with gusto and confidence, yeah. people assume that I've got a massive vocabulary. Right. And then they go, and I go, hey, hang on, hang on. No, I no, just no. know those four words. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah. Ah, piano, piano, yeah. piano. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, so that, um, I, I mean, I love I love Italy and I love Italian things. I love Italian cars. And, you know, my dad <laughs> loved British cars. And he had. That was um, a mistake. Yeah. That, well, it was it. What did he, he have? Had a he had a tri fifty nine TR three A. Okay, Triumph, amazing. Right. Um, and amazing in that it worked, or amazing that it worked. Right, that and, is amazing. And, and when my mother made him sell it, he I still have the ad that he put in the paper. It said, um, "Selling my right arm." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's and good. I think he sold it for eighteen hundred bucks or something right. in nineteen seventy nine. Right. Or whatever. Anyway, I grew up with a family that loved cars. My uh, my dad's side, my dad definitely leaned into more European cars. Uh, and motorcycles. And then my uncles on my mom's side are all these Italian guys. Um, they love like Chevy Impalas and Muscle and oh, Pontiac. Really? And, you know, my cousins would buy 
you know, my cousins who had money who like worked in the restaurant business of my aunt, right? They would buy like off the lot brand new GTOs and stuff like that. Like right. that was the kind of they. But these are Italian guys in Italy, or they're Italian uh, Italian American guys, okay, like first okay. gen okay. Italian okay. guys. So like they were always leaning into kind of American muscle. And then, um, and my dad was also into like American pickup trucks, which I love. Right. So, anyway, I started my first car, which my uncle, who kind of wheeled and dealed cars on the side, he was right. like, it worked at IBM, but he was, he did wheel and deal. He was like, oh, I got this crappy foreign car. Maybe, maybe you want it. It was a D type. <laughs> it was, it was a, a BMW Bavaria four door. Oh. Automatic, 1971. Cool. And my uncle's like, I, I got this on a trade. I don't want this, you know, piece right. of crap. You know? right. And I bought it for like 1200 bucks, and that was my first car. And I, it was – it's. Was that your first car in college? That was – I had just gra graduated high school and I bought, bought that car. Yeah, okay. so I was a freshman. Okay. Uh, freshman-ish, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the first car. That should be your next book, Heranic-ish. Heranic-ish. That's the autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I always leaned in. You know, I was the kid who had the Porsche Turbo whale tail poster, you know. Right. You know, like I love I love foreign cars and I right. love foreign sports cars. So, um, when – and I've always wanted an Italian car and then I kind of fell in love with and learned a lot more about Lancia and stuff like that and um, – what people – a lot of people don't know about Lancia, I guess primarily because it's, it's sort of a little bit of a niche brand, is that they were kind of the engineering kings of the mm -hmm. Italian car. I mean, they, the they, 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 they put they, – all their cars are so over-engineered. The 50s, 60s stuff is extraordinary. Yeah. And comparatively speaking to Alfa or – I mean, well, Ferrari, I guess, probably okay engineering-wise. They're okay. But I think they leaned into Lancia design quite aggressively. But for, Ferrari did. Yeah. In what way? When I was at the um, – I went to the Heritage Museum, um, which is basically the the Fiat archive. Historico. In Torino. Yeah. <laughs> Torino. Ah, ah, you speak Italian. <laughs> yeah. See about that. And uh, I said – you know, I was with um, a couple of curators of the of the collection and I was there for when I was doing the car book. Yeah. And I'm sorry you're not in it. And uh, – <laughs> Thank you for the sotto voce <laughs> apology. Yeah. I'm sorry not in it. Sorry not in it. Sorry. Sorry not um, sorry. You would have been. I, yeah. <laughs> Um, and there, there was this um, very early Lancia fifties, um, like F, you know, Grand Prix car, whatever. right? And it looked very Ferrari like. And but everything looked sort of samey at the yeah. time, no? I guess they were all kind of. I that's, mean, they were in the same. Me speaking from my vast mechanical knowledge. No, but I guess they, they were all kind of in the same neighborhood, you know, kind right. of you know, gleaning off each other. But when I went through that heritage museum, um, there was like, I mean, all the Lancias, particularly all the like. The rally cars and stuff are just like so incredible. I know. And the shapes were incredible. That and like the pandas. Like that was the thing that I just was like, like <laughs> well, two extremes. You have a panda. I have a panda. Which I'm deeply jealous of because yeah. I love the panda. Well, I love Giugiaro. Yeah. Giugiaro. <laughs> and uh, I have a friend of mine named Paolo who is obsessed with pandas. And he was like, I was like, okay, I finally need a panda. Right. And we went, um, we were in his house in Lago de Garda and we were like drinking way too much gin and he was like, it's impossible to find a good panda. It's impossible. It's easier to find. I could find you five 50s gull wings right now that you could buy. But to find an early 80s good condition panda, impossible. Let's look at Subido. You know, like, he opens <laughs> Which up. is always a really good idea. Subido, for people who don't know, is like the Italian – it's like a classified thing. Yeah, basically. it's like Craigslist. Yeah. yeah. So Always uh, good to when you're shit-faced to be looking for a car yeah. on Craigslist. Never, never drink and buy cars. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking and we're looking and he's like, crap. Horrible, not good, horrible, this is ridiculous, forget it, nope, wait, 
what's this? <laughs> and there was this 1983 tan on tan, all original. Like it was perfect. Okay. Right. And it was not too far away. It's in Brescia. And he said, it's too expensive. And I was like, how much is it? He's like, they want $2,000 for this thing. <laughs> and I was like, right. we're going to go see this car. So we basically met, we looked at the car and I bought it. And then he took it back and then had his mechanic look it over. Right. And then Yolanda and I uh, flew over there and we drove it from uh, Garda to Bordeaux. I don't know. How, how far is that? That is oh, – that's a three-day balls out drive. In, in a, a Panda? In a 30-horse power car. <laughs> so, you're on full highways, like major oh, highways yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah. But and, I feel like people must have been celebrating you as you as Oh, you my God. Past. In Italy, they're just like ah! – <laughs> they like like and then they see that there's obviously two Americans in there or like what so we only had two minor breakdowns right um both with kind of fuel line issues but everything else like you know that's what I love about owning a vintage car there are you you qualify the breakdown yeah like the minor ones and then there's this sort of I got out of the car because it was on fire breakdown right right right. <laughs> right but you know what's funny about drive I've been very lucky to either be driven in vintage cars or drive vintage cars or go into rallies and all this other stuff right. and it's the same and I told Yolanda this when we got in the car and she's owned a lot of old cars it's always the oh she's a, I didn't know she was an old car uh, fiend as oh well oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. The Porsche that I own was her. She made her now ex-boyfriend buy it, and then I got it from him. It's like that's, that's a good odd. story. You <laughs> could get the, you could hear that story in a man in his car, available from Artisan Books. Uh, <laughs> that is an unusual. No, that's a lineage. great story. That's a that's, you and, can't tell us. It's only available in the book. It's available in the book. There's an ever now available now available <laughs> at your favorite local bookstore. Um, I but, like the selling but, voice, but, man. It's velvety. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a face for radio. <laughs> Everyone, you have to have a face if you need to do that voice, man. <laughs> so the um, what was I talking about? The lunch? Oh yeah, no, the panda. Yeah. So you know we um, we made it, right? Right. And but I said to Yolanda during the whole drive that I don't care what vintage car you're in, it's loud. It's hot. Yeah. You're waiting for something to break. You are. You. That's the that's the thing, that's the thing I always whenever I'm in any old car. I'm, I just know that it's plotting my demise yeah. eventually. And that could be like a, like a window. I mean, it's something sure. – you're, or you're constantly listening every day, right? You get in yeah. the car. Particularly and the thing is, if you haven't driven in a while, then you hear noises. And then they may have been noise you heard before, but because you haven't heard them in a while, you think, wait a minute. Yeah, what is, is that? that? New? What's that? Mm -hmm. What's that? That clicking, what's that? Well, the first breakdown, we were on this hill um, going through the mountains that was going to drop down to Lazio, which is on the <clears> coast. And Yolanda's very bright because she was like, she knew we were going to be suffering. So every stop had amazing hotel stay, right? So we get to the top through you this. You need as the counterpoint to this. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, like the tension and agony. It's of, true. Is the car going to break down? It's true. Yeah, you immediately arrive at the hotel, massage. Yeah. Negroni. Negroni. <laughs> That's right. Um, so we're, we, 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 the, my biggest fear happens. I, I begin to stall in one of those mountain tunnels and there's no hazard button on the – you can't tell people that you're in trouble because there's no hazard on the panda. <laughs> you can't just do the indicator no. like left, right, left, yeah. right, right. And people are like screaming at you because this uh, there's a clog in the fuel line. Right. And all of a sudden, I look at Yolanda who's quickly Googling Fiat garages in Lazio. Which is amazing. Which is so great. And she goes – I look over it with just panic and she says, it's going to be fine. And that's who you want in your passenger seat. Sure. Not somebody who's more panicked than you. Right. You want somebody to say, we're going to get through this. Yeah. So I was just about to pull over and I said, you know what? Screw that. And I hammered the accelerator and what was ever in there kind of blew out. 
And I got some acceleration. It was a little panini. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was a mortadella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it was a rigatoni. Hey, uh, cugine. Uh, cugine. <laughs> Sorry, so, flew out the exhaust. So we make it over the hill, and then I just kind of coast into town to the Fiat garage, where, like, the world's most handsome Italian mechanic is there, and is like, late 60s in one of those... Full silvery mane of hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the red spectacles that split in the uh, middle? Uh, <laughs> I love that, right? What is it with the Europeans and the, the red spectacles? And they go... Yeah, and they go it's around. usually a German thing or an Italian thing. Yeah. And you know, there's a website called, there's an Instagram feed called Cheveux des Riches, which means rich people's hair. And it's <laughs> only old... Like oh, middle-aged God. European gentleman with like the full silvery mane. You could be in there. <laughs> I'm not silvery enough, but yeah. shortly. Um, so we – and he's wearing one of those golf like jumpsuits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. you know, like <laughs> amazing. And I think he had like flip-flops on. Like he so was perfectly art directed. So great. And I yeah. come out like stumbling over my Italian and whatever. And Yolanda speaks – really good Italian and she starts talking and she's obviously far more attractive than me and he looks at me and then looks at her and he says to me in Italian like I'm going to be talking to her (laughs) and she explains the situation he's like what the like again like what are you people doing in this panda right this garage has been around had been around since the 1950s it was his father's and they had only serviced Fiat's and obviously the panda is a very important car for Italians he had he he had that carburetor apart the fuel lines blown out and handed me and in like 10 minutes right put it all back together said start the car he's like you're fine and he goes you're going to be needing this i don't know how to say that at the time (laughs) and he hands me in the box a brand new weber carburetor for a 1980s panda (laughs) it's been on the shelf it was on the shelf right and um we made that drive again this summer in a more in a modern land rover defender and we went to go visit them. Did they remember you? Oh, my God. Yeah. And, oh. the, and the son was there who was also very helpful, right. who, who learned how to speak. I said, how did you learn to speak such good English? And he went, ah, I like rap music. <laughs> rap music. Yeah. So, he was like, hey, my homie. You know, he was like, talk like, he talked to <laughs> right. Italian like that. Right. So, he, um, we went and had a drink and um, he's like, you know, I, I didn't know you follow you on Instagram and you know and it was like coming home like coming home it right. was great but that's what cars do they kind of you know those you know you turn kind of lemons into lemonade if you can sure you know particularly the, the breakdown but you know uh, if you've driven old cars long enough in a particular area every area is like a little monument to a particular car that broke down at that particular time I mean I drive around all the time like oh yeah the Delta broke down there. Oh, the 037 broke down there. Oh, I drove through Soho. The Stratos was overheating and I had to pull over. <laughs> Every place, there's, there's some air. Wait, so that Lancia you had, was that the Stratos? I had. Uh, the, the blue, you've just posted. The blue a, one, that was a Stratos. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that is such a cool. Oh, oh, it's amazing. But you kind of go through cars quickly. Is that, is, you don't get em- too emotionally attached, do you? Well, I had, um, I went through a period. I had a sort of 60s period when I had, um, uh, Fl- Lancia Flaminia Sport Zagato, um, yeah. uh, Ferrari 246, uh, a lot like Iso Grifo, like a lot of beautiful stuff. And then I, and then at some point I kind of got suckered in or be- bewitched by the 80s. So yeah. then I, I went into this huge like homologation, Group B, so mm-hmm. Stratos, 037, Delta S4, uh, T60, all these Did you of- find those all in America? No, uh, the T6, uh, 037 I bought in Italy. Uh, the Delta S4 was from Japan. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, you know what's interesting is like people get really intimidated about like, how do you get a car over I here? I know, I find that it, interesting. And it's so easy. 
Well, I think because it seems it seems overwhelming. It's like, who, who do you talk to? Yeah. What, what's the customs? What are the you know? How much does it cost? Like it's I I I, I get it. Um, well, I guess I feel like for me that car only thing is sort of experiential. Like I've I've had that sort of hardcore group B thing for ye- for a few years, for five or six years, uh, actually a bit longer. Maybe. But you don't get emotionally attached to them. Well, I, I funnily enough, when I sold the Stratos, I went into sort of this automotive depression. <laughs> like three or four months I remember seeing it being taken around the back of a flatbed and I just felt like I'd lost some part of me um, so I do when you sold it you yeah when oh. I sold it um, so I do I, I am attached to them but I'm also I really I, I feel like I'm lucky enough to be able to try different things so I should mm-hmm. right so now I'm in this other I don't I, I, I'm in this other thing where I'm sort of trying like the 220 yeah which wow. is you have to you have to come exactly. and ride in that back. I, I love it. It's, it's lunacy. Yeah, it's, I'll have to wear athletic gear to get in and out of. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want yeah. I want a video. No, actually, you you and me are the right size. If right. you're like above six one six two and you're shall we say a more portly gentleman, yeah, then it's going to be a bit of a struggle. Right. 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 No, I've always fu- um, liked cars that I could get very easily in and out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. But look, you bought that. So, hang on. So, you had the, so the Panda, pen, which I love. Then the Lancia. Then you have this Lancia, which is a beautiful um, – we should actually – we should get a picture up, up on the screen eventually. But it's this, It's a like a dove gray or dark it's kind gray? Of, it's kind of Grigio. greeny, greeny gray. Right. And it has a green velour corduroy interior. Which is unbelievable. I, I feel oh, wait, like which, that's one of the – Which Lancia is this? It's the uh, – Fulvia. <laughs> well, you were calling it something else before. What were you calling it? I, 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 like, you Fluvia. You called it a Fluvia, Fluvia yeah, which, is, yeah. which is the shit-faced Fulvia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a Fluvia. I was under the influence of fasting and uh, herbal tea. <laughs> That's the, right. The first round. I didn't want to say anything, but, yeah. but now I'm going to say something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but – and I found that um, – Was this also Paolo Estravaganza? No, this was my friend Gerardo, <laughs> um, world's most handsome Roman – um, he, is that the guy with the little pencil moustache? No, it's quite thick moustache. It's not pencil-y. And he's got like – I've seen him he's on the Instagram. He's got great hair. Yeah. yeah. And he, he wears he, like double-breasted coat. Yeah, he's a designer. With, a, with, yeah. a, with, a, with a, like a chain in front, and, over the – No, no. that He doesn't have a chain. Not like a thick rope. I'm not, like a, <laughs> not like Cuban links. I mean like a – because it was an interesting choice. He had some – I don't know. Uh, he's was he wearing a cape? Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. was on the cover, two covers of Wayne Brown. He was right. on the first cover, and he's he's a great fan, and he's he's uh, very knowledgeable. About, what does he about, do? About cars. Like, he, he he has Juliva heritage. He's a he has a men's line. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, really beautiful tailoring. Okay, um, but he knows his way around cars. So this car I found, like during pandemic, I was bored and I was like, mm, unlike no, everyone else in the world, yeah, like, let's spend some money. Right, and um. I was on Subido um, and then I found this car and it was – I was like, wow, that is so beautiful and the color is great and it looks really good and the engine looked really good and there was all these photographs of the restoration of the engine but they – but everything else was original and it was like a half an hour from Gerardo's mother's house right. near Salerno, right? <laughs> right. So, I said, when you go make a visit, go stop by and see this car. Within a couple of days, I got a WhatsApp video of him walking around the car. Right. And the car running and really detailed little, you know, moving, sweeping shots of the right. engine and stuff. And I hear him go, this car is amazing. <laughs> and it was one of those scenarios that it was this kind of wealthy, um, you know, former Roman doctor who 
started collecting. He had like Alfa Romeos, and he was that's all, always uh, the magical word, isn't it? Doctor, doctor. owned, yeah. doctor owned. Like, okay, I'm going to buy it because you, you just assume all doctors are fastidious and like keep it, notes of the oil change and all the rest. Most of, it. of that's true, right? I mean, I had a 1941 mahogany, uh, mahogany Chris Craft boat <laughs> that was amazing. Doctor owned. Owned by a Swedish doctor, <laughs> which is—is is that the pinnacle? Oh man! Okay, so what's, the, what's the profession? If there's—if that's the best, what's the like? What would you know? What would be what? The sca- better than Scandinavian? No, what doctor? would be the worst profession to own? If, if a mechanic. A, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be something else. Proctologist owned. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, no, there's a shitty color. Yeah, um, but no, but this guy had records of like every washer, every—I right. mean, every pint of like material that was you know you know where the engine was painted you know that was insane but this guy had restored everything beautifully and um the price was right it was heranic priced as you know i'm so cheap <laughs> for those who don't know what is a heranic price it's, cheap yeah as low low but, ball but as you, possible yeah but but you make it work man you mean there's there's always a bargain to be found well i just said i'm very strict with the kind of budgets you know that i have and and this was in the budget and it didn't seem like it didn't seem extraordinary you know so um i said uh, so i'm much more elastic with the budgets like i I have a budget and then i say go well i guess i could just adjust it by fifty (laughs) thousand. exactly Uh, so um of course i had gerardo lowballing and as a a kid who kind of grew up in naples around naples and stuff he was good at that and the doctor accepted and i wired the cash and gerardo drove did he tell you could he did he elaborate on the lowball process i'd be curious to know I said he uh, he wants X, and I went down like by two thousand, <laughs> and we met somewhere in the middle. Right. And then Gerardo drove it to his mother's house, and I saw it for the first time actually uh, just a few months ago. Right. And drove it. And this was such a great drive, right? So we're driving from this little out, this little country. Did you have it gone through, or you just get in and you start driving it around? Uh, Gerardo had you know had it gone through, and okay. and we were so confident in, in this doctor's <laughs> restoration and everything that. So we got in it. And, and um, later turned out he was not a doctor. No, he was a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he. So we. He was in waste was, disposal. We drove it to. Um, I was like, oh, let's go for a drive, and he's like, well, you know, being Italian, he's like, let's drive it to lunch. Right. So we drive it to the port of Salerno, to this amazing little like a uh, restaurant, and had like vongole and white wine, and you know, and so you come off the highway, and then you drive through this little town. It, everybody like cheered and like clapped when this car because there's such love for they it. love it yeah. like the italians That's just right. love it and when when it was parked like it was sort of in a parking lot with like sailboats up on blocks and oh, stuff I like see. that and uh everyone would would just stop and like look at you know there's a little right. curtain in the back window i Is guess there a privacy curtain yeah i guess if you're having an affair and you're like an <laughs> excuse it, me it, yeah, darling yeah right. <laughs> Before we um, before we kiss, <laughs> That's right. yeah. it's a modesty curtain. Yeah, um, um, but I'm very very pleased with it. I, I love that. They car. should have those in the back of cars now for when people eat. But I have a question you for you. Do people? you think I can upgrade the brakes on that car? Oh, for sure. Because it's got like you could bring it. It's got a... 1980s brakes. Oh man, that require about, a lot of talk time. about ancient brakes. The 220 has ancient brakes. The first so, couple of inches what do you of think the 220 are like a, a just a suggestion. Yeah. There's a suggestion of a break. No, it? even when I had the uh, when I had the 1984 50 SL, I loaned it. Yolanda wanted to drive it. She was like, "Are those brakes okay?" And I'm like, "Those are 1980s <laughs> brakes." You know. Wait, well, I, when I went to pick the 220 up, I went with my friend. He had a, a modern Porsche, 
And then we swapped halfway on the way back and he drove the 220. And I almost put my head through the windshield because st- he has carbon ceramic brakes. And I and I, almost, I literally almost hit the windshield. Like, Cause, yeah, because I was used to the, the Jag yeah. brakes. And yeah. it, it, the technology is extraordinary. So do you think I could just upgrade those? Um, you should put in- race brake, carbon ceramic race brakes. They're like 30 grand. Oh, wait, what in- year is it? <laughs> That's too much money. <laughs> I, I want to do it for like 800 bucks. No, I know. I know. Of course, I'm joking. Man. I know. But, but could I? It's a 1974. Bro, you should turbo that shit. <laughs> Are they, Put a blower in it. That's right. Are they drum brakes? Yeah. They're drum brakes. See, Matt knows. I, now I'm out of my depth. What? That was it. That was it. That was it. That was the one well, question. Well, no, because if it was like. If that question was, implies there's going to be a, a torrent of Wait, if anybody knows it. and can help me out and there's a mechanic in the Rome area. That, oh, it's in Roma. It's in, yeah, it's in Italy. Are you not bringing it back here? I think eventually I will. I have to say, man, I know this is going to sound like a horrifyingly rich bastardy thing to say, but I feel like you kind of have to have a car in various countries. Well, that is exactly my theory. No, I know. It's the Horanic theory. The <laughs> yeah, physicists yeah. have been debating viciously for years <laughs> yeah. the Horanic theory yeah. of multiple cars in multiple countries. Yeah. Um, more so than multiple homes. I think it's just better to have cars around. But that then means you have to have people who are willing to allow you to have like... But you know the biggest the biggest pain in the ass about having cars in different countries is like the legality of how all that works. Right. Like for example, in Spain, it's easy. Think about the culture. It's a much more kind of ambiable, friendly... Easier yeah. than Italy? Italy? Italy oh, you're not letting me finish. Oh, Italy, I will not let you finish. Italy is easy as well. <laughs> okay. France is a nightmare. Like it took me a year and a half to register an Italian car in France. France only wants to register French cars. So I actually had to get from the Fiat factory the full spec and purchase price and everything before France would. I'm sure that was super easy. It was, I'm sure they have all the documentation yeah, lined, ready to right just, in, oh, Let ready me just print go. it out for you, Mr. Haranik. Yeah, email it what's, over your, to you. what's your email? We yeah. can get it over I'll here right now. Just, <laughs> but so, you know, I bought a Land Rover two-door um, Discovery Series 1 in Spain this summer. And I was like, okay, this is Negroni great. That's the Negroni color. That's the Negroni, Negroni Disco. <laughs> and uh, I was like, great. We'll just keep this car in France. It's a, it's a diesel. It's a great drive. It's super comfortable. It was fantastic. I get to France. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're not registering foreign cars anymore. And I was like, what happened to the whole EU thing? They're not, they're just, it's a pain in the ass. So I was like, well, I'm shipping it to New York. So we sh- that one we shipped to New York. You and showed them, man. You showed them. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm shipping to New York. I'm, Screw you guys. I'm taking it out of your yeah. country. I don't and need were, to buy they, gas. I mean, I think there was a there was the na- moment of national mourning. Yeah. After the departure of the... <laughs> Macron himself. Macron. Rang, rang uh, went to the docks. So you see, yeah. he, he, he begged you. He was in Hamburg. Please, please, please. And Ranek, Monsieur Ranek. <laughs> the reality is I should just have like some crappy brand new little two-door Renault something. No, the reality is you should have a Citroën in France, man. Well, Yolanda, uh, Yolanda owned Citroëns in her and her father had matching uh, DSs. No. Yeah. <gasps> you yeah. know that's one of my all-time favorite cars. Oh, yeah. And she, she bought – like her father was a piano teacher and Yolanda taught piano. So, she was like a drug dealer. She had tons of cash, you know. <laughs> Because we all know how lucrative teaching piano is. In the Bay Area of San Francisco. You know, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, okay. very much so. So, um, she, yes, that was her. What does, did she talk she about what it's car. like to own those and drive them? It's, it's exactly what we're talking about. Like, it's just one nightmare after another. Is it? Like, hydraulics right. and all that. I have and, a friend who but, just bought you know, two there, CXs. But there was a lot of Citroën that were imported to the Northern California in the, in the 70s. So, right. there were... 
people that knew how to work on them. There were parts of Elm stuff like that. But you know, she, her, she and her father both had matching black ones. It was so really? cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So then I was but, leering. Uh, I was dreaming the other day. I was looking at a Citroen uh, convertible. Those DS convertible, oh, yeah. are amazing. Yeah, and I've you know seen what one. I love is the Le Dandy. Have you What's seen that one? It's a Chaperon was a coach builder, and he made these ones called Le Dandy, which is the best the dandy. Oh, crocodile Le Dandy. <laughs> That's the Australian <laughs> with a Bowie knife. You know how the rolls have the the brolly in the yeah. door. You just it's a big Bowie knife. Yeah. Just comes serrated edge knife. Yeah. Come, so, uh, the, I mean the the dandy is the best name for a car ever. But he, so he did coach built convertibles with these little like extra fog lights and stuff, and they're unbelievably yeah. exquisite, beautiful. I mean Yolanda also wanted to get the a Dishabo, which they're all over the place there. Right. And I love the Mahari. Oh, I love those too. Those are great. Yeah. But they're all like, those are all great market and beach runners. None that's of them right. really function outside that. Right. I mean, true. even the Panda at the end of the day in France is like the market runner. Right. But, and then I just rent some, you know, crappy, you know, Renault right. from, from Enterprise. A Twingo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'll tell you the car that I, re- the Citroen I really want. And I, I okay. want the... The C15, you know, it's like, it's like you, it's like a little cargo van. It's like somebody took a metal box and slammed it in the back of a sedan. <laughs> have you ever seen this? I'm it's not every, sure. every like plumber, oh, carpenter. Oh, yeah, 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 I have seen it. Right? It's yeah. got a, it's got a great little kind of wedged pitched front right. and there's just like a cube on the back. I want one of those so I want a badly. CX. A friend of mine has just bought two CXs. What's the CX? The CX is the car that came i think after the ds in the 80s all right and it's full of also and it's got the most amazing wheels the hubcaps are genius like it's just this suit do you ever see the grace jones tv ad with the cx like her mouth opens the cx drives out no oh it's it's amazing it's amazing everyone will be googling that yeah (laughs) they should because it's it's an incredible i mean i think in terms of france like you know when i had to get the car and the panda inspected yeah um there was one garage that does it (laughs) And they had a wall of snapshots of cool cars that came in, you know, to be inspected. Sure. And these guys were crazy, crazy car guys. They weren't okay. just like your kind of typical, you know, garage grunt. And when that panda pulled up, they just lit up. And they, oh, really? Yeah. And they grabbed a camera and took a picture of it. But when I was looking at the wall, you know, those kind of 1960s two-door Peugeot convertibles? Yeah. The, I don't know what a, number that is. It's actually early. I think it's, it's a fi- is is it it 506. I think it yeah, be, 506. It's a 70s, I think. I think it's That 70s. is a beautiful French yeah, car. that's very cool. I, but, I, but all those kind of old cars in France make me nervous because then I got to find some French mechanic to work on it and stuff like that. And then you, you probably go, and they go, ah, no, pas possible. Yeah, oui, 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 oui. Ah, no, pas possible. You want this to run? Yeah. Uh, that's extra. <laughs> Paris <je> aujourd'hui. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. The French are the kings of no. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, when we were restoring this house, in this little stone house in France, I wanted to get t-shirts that that said, France, why say yes when no is so easy? <laughs> I mean, look, my mom was French-Moroccan. I grew up like in Paris and, and so I, I always loved the French. And I, and I have to say, I, I, I love, like the, in particular, the Citroëns, they're just, they're, it's like they just decided to be odd. Yeah. But in the best possible way. Right. And they kind of adhere to that still a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that... There's no other I, the, country the, committed the, to, to eccentricity. I mean... The, but the, there's nothing good now. They're all yeah, horrible. Right. Like all That's the true. Citroëns... First of all, they changed the logo, which is horrible. Yeah. And everything looks like a sneaker. You know, it's Well, just, that's cars in general. Yeah. I mean, I thought about... <clears throat> excuse me. I thought about what car... What new car we would buy. And I don't know. 
I don't know what it would be. In you, France? Yeah. Or just generally? No, what new car – well, I think buying new cars in general is is tough. That's I mean, that's why I've been holding on to that Land Rover LR4 as my daily driver. I, mean, right. I love that car so much. I do like the new Defender. I've, I've been driving one in Europe yeah. and I, I drove the, the, the small – the short wheelbase – which is amazing, but I kept forgetting. Why is that amazing? Because it's I, so much fun to drive. Is it? Yeah, I will. I will back him up on this. Since really? That is my daily driver here in New York. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it's a ninety. A ninety. It's perfect. But here's the problem: we were. My daughter was with us. I kept slow, slamming the door on her all the time. I forgot okay. there was somebody in the back. Really had a child. I forgot I only had two doors. <laughs> so, but I do think I would buy that car new. But I would spec it out where there was no back seat. It was just like a two passenger car. Oh, you want the commercial version? The commercial that they have version. In the UK. Yeah, yeah. You I, really I just love want that. a van. Why don't you just buy a van? I do then? want a van because I'm like a bit of a antique. I break for antiques, <laughs> uh, and and that's why I want that Citroen in. Uh, so in you just stuff in like a, an armoire for a, a, yeah. a Napoleonic armoire. Yeah. Or Leather club chair. <laughs> uh, but the um, you can buy those C15s for like a thousand euros and I, they run forever. I'm really hoping that the whole electric car thing will usher in this kind of whole era of amazing design because that frees up the whole platform. You don't have to, you don't have an engine. I mean, you don't, you don't have, so. you, you have so much more stuff to put space to play with. I feel like why don't they just start making amazing, spacey looking shit? Like well, did you all, the, all the stuff they made in the 70s, those concept cars would be amazing as electric but what cars. did you think of that Tesla truck? I was actually super into it. I saw – my brother works for Tesla. Oh, really? Yeah. And when I was wor- working on the car book, I wanted to I wanted to photograph Tesla 1, the prototype that right. was built. And so, I was allowed to go in and shoot that car that they still have that I like, held together with like <laughs> hot glue, <laughs> you know, like prototype. And uh, my brother's like, oh, we got to walk through this area, but like don't look around. <laughs> like, I was it's like, like they, having Tom Cruise on set. Don't look at his yeah, eyes. No, don't like, look at his eyes. I was like, do I need to be hooded? Like, what is it? <laughs> That's right. And they were, it was the day before they were wheeling out that truck. And oh, I so saw, saw that. Yeah, I saw it. And I was like, holy cow. It's so you huge. Didn't, you didn't like it? I don't know. I mean, I, I it's don't know, fine. Man. I think uh, <laughs> it's fine as the kiss of death. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, <laughs> That's it's, what you're listen, here it's not. I, I get the, I, I get your point about its kind of design reference and I, I thought it was interesting, but it was like I wasn't like like I wasn't blown away. I mean, I guess it. I like it because it it's weird. to me it's, you like weird stuff. I well, I do like weird stuff, but to me also that's the future we were promised. Right, we but were promised. We were pro- you were, we were promised, promised that like in space age looking cars but in the sixties, seventies. Right, why making me but, ancient in the nineteen twenties? Yeah, I was yeah. promised. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jajaro did that. Right. And that was yeah. the future of promise. Instead, but, we have sh- sh- cars that kind of look like sneakers and, and not that interesting in terms of sneakers. Like if they at well, least is look it like be- a- Is it because they, they everyone needs to push that car through a wind tunnel and have it be well, there are, efficient, there are, there, right? Well, yeah. There are, I mean, yeah. I mean, of course, there are endless amounts of restrictions and safety considerations and, and, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff to, to think about, which is why I feel like the electric car is maybe going to make things different. Hopefully. Like, have you seen the Hyundai Ionique 5? No. Super cool. Have you ever seen that car? I have. I have. What? I have. No, I apologize for looking at my phone. I was just checking it. You were just checking Tinder. I was yeah. checking my phone. Swipe right. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, I, I, it's like a large Delta Integrale. Oh, really? It's very cool, I think. And it has... So, do you think the Japanese are better at that than most? Well, those the that's that's Korean. Oh, that's Korean. Sorry. Um, right. Hyundai. Hyundai. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble with that now. But so, I don't know. I mean, 
I do. I, it's interesting. Like, is there a car? Is there a modern car? Not like a fancy supercar, sports car thing, but something modern that's really unusual looking and interesting. I guess. I can't Mercedes think. camper van. What's that? You know, they're kind of um, the big. Uh, they're modifying the those big. Oh, those sprint, the sprinter, sprinter, yeah, sprinter. Right. But they have one at the Mercedes showroom up on Eleventh Avenue. That's a very kind of cool camper modification that I thought was amazing. I was like. How much is this? <laughs> just I like, that, just I like that it's at the showroom in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, with the awning, the, with the awning pulled out. Yeah, because you know that the New York is a massive campus. They well, I they... think maybe it was a great COVID purchase. Like, let's get uh, out of here, right. Maud. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's go park in front of Central Park. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like camping. Yeah. <laughs> you can get hot dogs. But I guess it's true. I guess I do want a van. I'm, I guess See, I you've had a real... This is a very important. This I is, do this is like Viva Bastardo exclusive. Heranic wants van. I like cars that can carry a lot of crap and actually the panda can the best panda picture i've ever i photograph pandas a lot when i see it <laughs> but i was in sicily and uh this this friend of mine's family has this uh uh olive press but it's a co-op so if you grow olives whoever grows olives within a co-op can you have them pressed there and this use your word geezer <laughs> shows up in a mint green 80s fiat panda yeah. with all the seats out except the driver's seat and it's filled through the sunroof with olives. <laughs> it was the most magnificent that's amazing. thing. Did you take a I, yeah, I have a picture. That's of amazing. That. It's just incredible. And and that's what's so cool about the panda is like two clicks, all the seats come out. Right. And you could haul it's all kinds Jujado. Jujado, very nice. Jujado. Very nice. But you know what? It's lovely also to see cars being used for what they were supposed to be used yeah. for. Because I suspect that most pandas now are being bought up by people, you know, like me, who would like to just buy one and just drive it around, you know, as a as a thing. Well, I am I just uh, had a WhatsApp exchange, WhatsApp exchange with my friend Paolo, and I'm go. I loved the four by four Sicily edition. The Sicily's genius. So there's one in Negroni Red <laughs> available. Conveniently located near his mother, in Bologna, close. <laughs> Speaking of mortadella, right. but I think I'm gonna go buy it. What I, are you gonna it, do with the old one? I, I I'm gonna keep them both. I, I want to. I want to have the the four by four as like a Rome runner, <laughs> right? Wait, aren't you going to Rome for like six months or something? I'm leaving for Rome uh, next week. Yeah, for not just so. The... Okay, so how does this work? Like, so you're going to go to Rome for how long? It's like these are the kind of conversations I have with my mom. <laughs> you know that she's like, "What are you doing in Rome? Are you working?" Yeah, I, I wanted to. How's it work, man? So you're going to Rome for how long? So we just leased this apartment, which is basically officially the you know uh, Yolanda Edwards HQ, right? Right, because she works with some Italian um, hospitality groups there. So we thought we want to spend more time in Europe. It's cheap as dirt to rent in a beautiful apartment in um, in Rome, considering what we do here in New York, which is ridiculous. Right. So we we saw this amazing place right across the street from my friend Gerardo's shop, right across the street from one of my favorite restaurants, Pere Luigi, <laughs> right up the street from the best five dollar Negroni I've ever had in my life at <laughs> Cafe Peru. Everybody take notes. This is my Rome list. <laughs> and I said. In in the apartment, which is a four floor walk up two bedroom apartment, looks onto Cy Twombly's former studio. Okay, which his daughter lives there. Sure, it's very and she vacuums in her underwear. No, <laughs> she doesn't. Brief but, aside, yeah. But anyway, I said, why why shouldn't we do this? And my daughter goes to school in Europe now, so it's like, why not? So we decide to do it, and we'll probably. So what would you be doing there, Matt, while the wife is working? 
What do you mean? <laughs> well, he, he did say $5 Negroni. Yeah. So, yeah. is he, is he going to be $5 Negroni? Research for Negroni Book 2. <laughs> Negroniville. Negroniville. Welcome to Negroniville. So, you I take on Warren, I, Jimmy Buffett. But here's the beauty of like the silver lining in a lot of this COVID crap and lockdown was that not so much that you can work from anywhere because that really is true what I what I do. Right. But people are willing to accept that you can work from anywhere. Right. And that is the silver lining because you don't, you know, I closed the last issue of William Brown when we were in uh, Bordeaux at my friend's like furniture shop. I was like, can I bum your Wi-Fi for an hour? And we I sat there with my art director at a Zoom call and, and I was like, this is this is heaven. Right. You know? Um, so that I think is is to our advantage. So I can be in Rome. How, and long, how long will you be there for? So this trip, just about a month. Oh, God. This is just depressing me. Yeah. Put on all the weight. This is- <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I hope you come back. Yeah, fat. come back as a fat bastard. Yeah, don't forget to eat lots of cacio pepe. Uh, and then back to the sanatorium in Austria for the two-week <laughs> yeah. two lemon rind yeah, diet. Yeah, I go to the clinic in Germany every other month now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hi. I'm here to purge. That's right. Uh, hydrocolonic, anyone? <laughs> um, but no, I think, listen, I, it's a, it's a, listen, it's great opportunity and I'm taking advantage of it. And Look, and, I mean, I, I doff my cap to you, man. You've constructed a, a, a lifestyle that meshes with what you do that seems that would be the envy of a lot of people, I imagine. Certainly is of me. Well, I think it's, you know, yeah, you, you, this is going to sound so corny. But you follow and do what you love. Like you, you if follow you follow your passion, you follow your passions. Um, you thought about being an inspiration, motivational speaker. I'm, like. Actually, I'll, I'll be at the Learning Annex this <laughs> Thursday in Flushing. So it's been, uh, I, I, when I worked in advertising, I worked with a woman called Sally Hogshead, who was a genius, name. yeah, amazing name. And Sally was a very hard worker, and, and so she became a, a motivational speaker. And Sally's um, her whole thing is fascinate. What if you are fascinating? You will be interesting to people. Like, like, what is that? Can I get an example of that? <laughs> well, just me. besides you. Well, I mean, clearly, yeah. just look at me, and I, I'm not quite sure how that works, but it, it's it's kind of genius because it's it's so okay. So wait, if you're interesting, people will be interested in you. Yeah, that seems like 101, right? Yeah, there. I know, but that's the genius. Of- but what about people who are just sit there and are kind of quiet? And broody, and people are like, hmm, why don't you do that? But that's that, intriguing. That, that's not yeah. fascinating. That's true. Yeah. But by the way, I cannot be quiet and brooding. Yeah. <laughs> and no way, it's <laughs> never going to happen. Um, but I, I think that uh, listen, th- there weren't a lot of options for me. Like right. I went to school to I always wanted to be a photographer. That worked out pretty good. A lot of eggs in one basket, and I'm glad I was able to kind of, you know pivot and develop this other thing and people at least some people like it so i was it was lucky and being surrounded by well, good talented I, well, I, thoughtful well, encouraging the, people it, it's well i would say you're being a little modest with the luck thing man because i think that the thing about uh, pivoting is i've found in in particular with my viva bastardo ventures is you have to be elastic enough to sort of say okay for the moment i'm going to let go of the thing i of the let go of what i did before and who i was before right and that's really hard that's to hard. do to say okay this is a new thing i'm embracing and i'm going to do this thing and and i'm going to relinquish all the things that made me who i was and, but you and, don't always do that. I had this conversation with someone last well, night. Well, I mean, well, you think you do, but then a lot of those things end up factoring back into That's right. the thing you're doing. But initially, you think you're letting go of those things. Right. I, I mean, I used to be terrifically afraid of even when I remember dating this girl who had a magazine job and I used to get a lot of photo work because of that. 
and at, at one point I just started hating her and I was right. like, but I can't break up with her because there, there goes all the photo work. You know, you right. know that fear, the fear of the freelancer. For sure. Right? Yeah. You think you're never going to work again. Never you have gonna... like two weeks of, of silence. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, I started traveling a lot when I, w- when I kind of stopped assisting and was kind of breaking on my own shooting. And I, we had this like group of photographers, none of us working, of course, that would all go to the ear in, right? And <laughs> That was always a, a nexus for photographers. Yeah. Like it, it, it was great. I right. mean – Chili beer at the ear was the <laughs> thing. So, but at one point, like, um, someone had too much to drink. Was like, let's all go like drive through Guatemala. Right. And I was like, oh no way! Like, I'm right at the point of my photo career. I, and I, my could, fr- I could get a big break. I, I could get, get a phone call. Yeah. And this friend of mine leaned into me and said, "No one is missing you for ten days." Trust me. <laughs> and he was right. And you know what else? The thing is, I bet that a drive through Guatemala would be. You could that would be a photo story that then you could show to someone and then become your big break. We, that's exactly what we did. So and we were so we were four, one photo agent, and three photographers, and we did that and we circumvented. I think we did like in this beater Land Cruiser, we did like fifteen hundred miles through. It was amazing, right? And and was and that gleaned such great stuff moving forward. And he was right. It's like don't you're going to sit around in your apartment wait. Wait, these are the days when you waited for your phone to ring. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know? Yeah, there was no internet to check. No, so I, I do love that though because we all we all suffer from that, like this idea that people are interested in what we do when actually really no one's interested for the most part. For the most part, yeah, except maybe this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> except for you and I, yeah, and then Matt. But I but and maybe and maybe not Matt. A little passing, yeah. passing yeah. interest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I was I was real. I mean, I loved the the what photography brought. In terms right. of the well, look, photography. I mean, it was uh, when I was in peak editorial form. Um, it was fantastic because it allowed it opened doors and it opened windows to vistas I had not considered. Yeah, and and that was that was amazing to me. I mean, in terms not only in terms of going places, but just seeing things. And often I found that those those opportunities would lead to books. Yeah, I mean, I went, I, went, I shot. I was shooting this uh, very famous dermatologist for uh, the Sunday Times magazine in London. And and I saw him and he looked extraordinary because he'd done all these fillers and stuff on Wait, himself. Wait, is that the one who ended up committing suicide? That yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy like yeah. alien yeah, gray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he looked really extraordinary. And, and, then I, and, and that shoot opened the door to this sort of fascination with plastic surgery and then it ended up being a book wow. and multiple exhibitions, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. But that's the kind, that's what I loved about being a, a photographer, in particular editorial photography. Right. Because it would just you could just see things that most people wouldn't right. see. I think my end of that was like that led to being a good editor, magazine editor, was I always used the conduit of photography to explore other things. Right. Even if that was like going to photograph for country people in Nashville. <laughs> I was like I was like, Okay, Yolanda, I'm gonna I'm there for one day, but I'm gonna take two days right. and see what else is going on. And then we just started collecting all this information. Of course, none of that was available via Google at that point anyway. Right. So that information became incredibly valuable for other things. And and that's when I had the very short lived television show Alternate Rude on the Esquire network. <laughs> all those shows were old glean content from right. photo jobs right including that we did a show in nashville which was great what did happen to that show um no one found it no, <laughs> no one watched it i mean it was one you know esquire it was a great idea it was slightly more thoughtful men's content than like you know whatever um than not right right and uh and they 
but they had a very old business model, which was everyone is really watching television on this device or that device, you know, computers and telephones or uh, computers and iPhones. But nobody is looking at basic cable for a new show. Like right. my mom couldn't even find the show. <laughs> but we produced, If your mom can't find it, then my you mom, doomed, who's then like, you doomed, you know, <laughs> the president of my fan club. Right, that's right. But, but they, it was just an old business model. Like they were looking at Nielsen ratings and they were looking at conventional television right. and they, it should have all like been online and streamed. But in that stuff, But I feel like that opportunity now awaits you for W.M. Brown. Probably. It's, you know, I've been approached again by people to develop stuff, but I've already gone through it once right. and I know, I know exactly how it, how it will work. I know how it will be successful and work, so but, but they want always want it. Why don't you just do it yourself? One more thing to do, Phil? Yeah. Well, you're not doing anything, man. In Rome, you're just sitting around. Yeah, you're not doing anything. the Negronis. Come right, on. Yeah. You, you got pick, 30 days. Pick up your iPhone. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, most when most people, people like... People really want to know how to tie a bow tie. <laughs> I feel like you and you're the man to tell them how to do it. You buy one from that, that <laughs> disconnects it at the back. The Velcro. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of people like who are into like developing show ideas and stuff like that. It's always so, it's the dumbest down version of sure. what you ever want to do because right. no one has faith in audience. Sure. And I think Netflix has proven... With things like Chef's Table stuff, that you can do smart, intellectual, quasi-intellectual stuff. I love stuff. that show. I mean, it's great stuff. You know what I love? The one where they do the dessert chefs. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Is do it, you wait. like sweets? Yeah, man. You I don't. my own tea. Yeah. yeah. It's just come right out. I'm is English. That, is, I was going to say. <laughs> um, but I just... Um, I just think the way they're produced, they're, you know, we had a great film. We had a great crew on that show. And I said to Esquire early on that I don't care if some – if this is on mute at a bar, like I want people to be intrigued with how kind of thoughtfully Visually, it's filmed. Right. And yeah, the visuals. And we did do that. And we had a great team. I feel like, I feel like you have such an opportunity for you. I mean, what you've done – in a weird way, there are correlations, oddly enough, between the universes that you've created and the one that I've created in the sense that it's a real, it's a fairly tangible world that has that has specific trappings to it, like the W.M. Brown world. And yeah. I'm, I feel like it would be such an easy idea to do content beyond your Negroni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would go, here I am in a bar yeah. and I'm having a Negroni. Yeah. No, but uh, Phil, you always have good ideas. and uh, <laughs> You I, should do the meat calendar. I know. Maybe for next year. Come, come too late. What? Can you come out with a calendar in the middle of the year? You can, why not? Why ish. not start at July to July? Yeah. It's a Hiranic-ish production. How about this? It doesn't even have months. Yeah. It's just a grid <laughs> yeah. that you could fill you in. just fill it in. Yeah, like, like a Muji notebook. <laughs> That's, That's right, a good man. idea, yeah. actually. Um, so, the uh, – but no, I do – listen, I love – I love the moving image stuff. I love that. I love doing it. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, I used to pretend I had a cooking show when I was a kid. Right. I, I remember I'm like making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and having a, <laughs> having a fake television audience. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. My mother used That's to scream. amazing. My mother used to scream up from like the, the basement. She'd be like, who are you talking to? <laughs> my audience, yeah. mom. My you don't understand my me. My television audience. <laughs> um, I prefer crunchy peanut butter over smooth and I like strawberry. I'm a crunchy yeah. guy too. Yeah. I don't really eat that. I stuff. would love to do. I feel I want to do a Viva Bastardo eventually, like a because there's so many. I like the idea of exploring the world of contrarianism in the context of how the world works in terms of things you can buy, things you can furnish your house with, like it, it, the the alternative look. How did that logo come about? I'm the, glad you asked, Matt. Yeah. So um, I bought the well the Viva Bastardo origin stories. I bought a Delta Integrale um, from Japan. 
and it was kind of a bastardized car. It was full when it arrived. It, I knew this already, but it I when I buy cars, I try and buy like a totally bone stock, untouched car. That's always the goal. This car was festooned with all these fast and furious gauges and 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 clusters and and then it had this like um on the on the driver's side it had this pad on the armrest for like lash high g lateral turns so you could knee brace you know and it buckets see so it had been bastardized so i said you know what this is great i'm gonna now turn it into this car that I, my own version of a delta integrale so it was the lancia bastarda so i changed the color uh i mean it was i didn't really do radical things but <laughs> <laughs> was that the last nice roast beef, roast beef sandwich? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a, that was a cough. <laughs> sure, it was. Thanks, COVID guy. Yeah. So, so, um, so I called Lancia Bastarda. The car sort of went viral. Uh, Magnus Walker drove it and made a video about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to make these keychains that say Lancia Bastarda on them with the Lancia Elephant, which is what this comes from. But the Lancia Elephant is, is sort of on all fours and he's just galloping. And I thought, I'm going to just turn it up. I'm going to make him rearing. I'm going to give him a devil's tail. I'm going to make some keychains. And I made some keychains and they sold out in like a week. And I thought, oh, shit, this is, this is, I think. How many did you make? Not many. I think I made 200 keychains. That's a lot of keychains to sell. (laughs) To drop in the mail. (laughs) It is. It was a lot of keychains to mail. Believe me, man. I'm not good at that stuff. And then I thought, this is, could be the idea of bastardo, this sort of contrarian view of the world, but done with elegance, with wit. Um. It could be something. Mm-hmm. So then I said to my friend Alex Aranovich, who's a genius designer who designed this, I said, "Let's. What if he's holding a bottle? Like it needs to be more hooligan." And he said, "I'm not sure. What if it's a broken bottle?" <laughs> oh yeah, like you're just about to smash yeah. it into and, somebody's uh, neck. Exactly. You're going to glass someone. And I said, "Oh, that that's genius." And so that's how that came about. Yeah. So it's a kind of it's a bastardization, uh, appropriately enough, of the Lancia logo or the that particular logo, um, and that's how it ended up yeah, it's being great. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been the whole thing has been very uh, unexpected, and and it's also been beautiful because now what happens is people send me emails all the time going, "Don't you think this is bastardo? That's yeah, bastardo. yeah, yeah. Like it's become it, it it represents the thing I always wanted to represent, which is something contrarian, something where someone's kind of doing something different, and I and and it's incredibly gratifying, as you know, to sort of create unwittingly a cult that people are interested in. Right, and I think when I I'm always flattered when it, it says oh this is will, very william brown or right you know or because uh, like, that means they get it they get it and that's sort of like when i used to go into creative meetings for like fashion catalogs and stuff you know the, the there were two words that were always kind of used like that it's like oh can we make it more wallpaper like when wallpaper, <laughs> wallpaper right. Mag- right. or or it needs to be more j crew <laughs> and these <laughs> Those are, are the two yeah that's those right. were the 90s right. frameworks for successful visuals. Right. And um, so when people say, oh, yeah, the, I thought this was very William Brown or very Bastardo, I think that's – that is – you know, and that kind of – sure, you go into it hoping it's be recognized. But it's still kind of this wonderful accident when people connect to it so deeply. Right. And they understand the thing so clearly. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. So let's talk about your watch. Oh, so I... You know um, I'm a massive Benrus... For those of you who can't see, Matt is wearing a Benrus Type 1 reissue, which I think is a fantastic watch. So I borrowed this watch to photograph for the magazine. And uh, and also the one that's the... Is it is it the other, the Type 2, the field dial one? No, that's, it, a, that? that's some of the... The Type 2 is, a, is the 24-hour dial. So I was like, I want to... I was going to Cuba to go uh, fly fishing. 
And I like as one does. As one does. <laughs> and I like wearing a nice watch, the watch that I still care about, but it's you know, doesn't present itself like a nice watch that right. anybody wants to steal. <laughs> and um and also I like I mean I like G Shock I like electronic watches like G Shock, but in the sun there's they're often hard to read. And I like to have a very simple dial. So I thought like this is so great. Well, I just when I was on the fishing boat, I just always kept looking at this watch because I thought it was so great looking. Right. right? So, I'd be having some downtime and I'd look at the watch and I'm just like, that's so good, you know? Right. And then um, <laughs> my fishing guide, Juan Carlo, he, <laughs> he, he said, Matt, you look at that watch a lot. <laughs> and I said, he goes, I'm oh, a very busy man, Juan yeah, Carlo. Yeah. Don't he, talk to me. Yeah. He's like, uh, why? I was like, are you worried about the time? I said, well, not really. I mean, yeah, I'd like to think about like, what time we caught the first fish? When is lunch happening? When am I going to get off this damn boat? But I said, you know, I really like looking at this watch. Right. And it's true. And I think, you know, listen, we could all tell time on our iPhones or sure. whatever. But I love watches as objects. And I also like looking at them and admiring them when they're of good design. Right. And uh, I think I all the watches I ever bought and one I sold to you. Uh, I bought because I thought they were great looking. Sure, I, I think it's an I think it's an unbelievably beautiful piece of design. The, I I love the simplicity of it. I love the the, the sterile dial. There's nothing. There's no brand on the dial. There's yeah. no writing on the dial. I love the asymmetrical case shape. All of it's just fantastic. And I love the reissue because it kind of takes a little bit of the piss out of the secondary market, which I don't. You know, I don't, would not have wanted to take in a sixteen thousand dollar you know, version of this vintage watch and brought it down there because I would have been worried. Like I even have vintage military watches, even vintage military reissues that were made for L.L. Bean right. that I used to buy, you know, for 20 bucks a piece right. and use on that occasion. Ironic prices. Now they're like too expensive to, they're again, they're too precious again, you know. You see, I'm actually, I feel the opposite. I, it's kind of like, it's sort of like, not driving a fancy car around because you're afraid something's going to happen to it. So I I will wear everything I own, even if it's wildly unpractical. Because, and no, I, sort of, I do, I, and I but I force I'm, myself. I do, but I'm not going to bring it like on, well, a, on fishing, a fishing fishing yeah, trip okay. to Cuba. That's true. Also, um, the, I wanted a watch that was going to be wet and waterproof and all that other right. stuff. But like, and I'm not wearing any of those watches in Naples. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Like, so I, but I do wear everything that I own, and I was right. lucky enough to buy them when they weren't. You know, what other things do you have in there? The, the old. Uh... No, I'm a, you know I'm a Rolex fan. You're a Rolex, but you're. A, I'm a Rolex and Cartier fan. Right. So I, I would say I Cartier. 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 I love the tank. I love Cartier tanks, and I love the reissue. Actually, I went crazy. Uh, oh wait, didn't you buy the blue? Uh, yeah, that's right. The so, blue tank. Yeah, so the they kind of reissued the, the the blue, red, and green. That's right. Sort of under the must Cartier, like the more must. I think it's actually must. No, it's must. Well, in your French accent. <laughs> You've got to say Cartier Must. Must. Musty. Musty yeah, Cartier. Yeah, sounds like it's dusty and it smells like mushrooms. Yeah. Well, I got the I, – I called the blue one in uh, to photograph for the magazine. And I was like, wow, that is so great. I love the way you say that, man. I call you in, watch. <laughs> yeah. Show your – bring Get yourself in. to my office. Get in. This is genius. See, this is a whole thing that people who are not in the magazine world don't realize that you could just call things in. They can summon items. Well, how do they – yeah, how do people think they get into the magazine? <laughs> well, you, yeah. But yeah, but you could – and then presumably, like, let me ask you this. So, the Benris you summoned to your residence and then – No, actually, I um, – Darius yeah. um, 
I drove up Sixth Avenue, and he ran out of his office, oh. sat in my car, and handed me the two watches. <laughs> um, but with the so I, but I loved the way those the red and the blue Cartier both were, yeah. and um, they just all sold out. Like sure. all of North America, they're gone. Yeah. And I wanted to buy one and they weren't terribly expensive, right? And I thought, oh, that is such a great watch. And I figured, you know, Yolanda would steal it anyway because it's really pretty and, you know, probably sure. more feminine. But anyway, but we were in St. Moritz and the <laughs> and the Cartier shop had one in the in the window. Right. And I was and you know, you go we go by Rolex windows now and it's just Nothing. like for display only. That's right. You know, right. you're like, what? Yeah. Can't buy anything. It's like plastic food in the sushi restaurant. I know, it's so obnoxious. So I walked in and I was like, Is that blue Cartier for sale? And they were like, Yeah, it's the it's the last one. I was like, I'll take it. And uh, I actually rang a friend of mine who works for Cartier and I said, you know, should I get this? And he's like I couldn't find you one in all of the all of North America right now. They were gone. Right. So I was like, done. And I will wear that watch. I think it's great looking. Um, I did get the hoarder in me was like searching every Cartier shop in Europe now for more. Yeah, <laughs> for more. Yeah. Um, but um, I do like the tank. Um, I like Rolex sports models, and I do like weird little one-off kind of military style um, watches, like you know from. From Timex to Hamilton's. Right. You know, I, I like that style. And I really like lately, um, uh, actually, the watch I sold to you. That's right. The Shelby? The, the Rolex Shelby? The, is that what you're calling it now? Yeah, because you know why? The, because, because Shelby had one. He won He won the Le Mans in 59 wearing that no watch. No way. Yeah. God, why did I sell and that you know watch? What? They're worth like 25 grand now. You bastard. No, they're not. You bastard. <laughs> well, actually, you lost. I, I don't think I so, don't so that's, that, Just that, for everyone at home, we're talking about Matt sold me a Rolex Zephyr. Zephyr. Which is, I think, really, really beautiful. A quite unusual design. Quite yeah. different from most Rolexes of the late 50s, early 60s. Um, Stainless and, in gold with a gold bezel. Yeah, two-tone. Yeah. Um, and, and, and which is kind of funny that Shelby was wearing a two-tone stainless yeah. and gold watch to yeah. win Le Mans. But in, that, in some ways, fuck it. That's like peak bastardo. Yeah. Well, that is the first Rolex I ever bought was that style. And right. then I sold it to a friend of mine who quickly got it stolen. But I but By I you. but Yolanda and I I bought her the girl the women's version. So she has her still. The Zephyr. Yeah. Okay. In that size. Right. And then I found another one and then I was like I'm never going to wear this watch. And then you That's because you had it on that criminal strap, man. And you know, I had the original. I'm just going to tell everyone. It was, you have the original. Well, I want that strap back. I, I, it is the worst strap. I want that buckle. It is a thick, plump, like, r- shiny patent leather. Was it no, red? No, is it red? No, it, it was Blue? gator. Yeah, gator, whatever. But it was all, but it, but it all puffy. And was it red? It was puffy. Oh, it it wasn't red. Blue or something? No, no, no. It was. Te- dig it out and give it back what to me. What color? Give it back to me. What um, color is it? It was like it was like maybe it did Burgundy. lean in. It did lean into the reddy redder part of brown. Yeah, it was. No. <laughs> it's yeah. like crime against yeah. society. That man. It's. Yeah. But I I took the the winnings from that deal because <laughs> yeah. that's what I like to do. Like that. Like these little chess moves. Sell something yeah. to get. And there was a beautiful sort of octagonal Cartier oh, yeah, um, for about. sale at auction in this auction house in Milan. And I bought that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's I think that's, cool. that was a good chess move, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, sure. So, and then I like- Because look, uh, no one's interested in Rolex Zephyrs and everyone is interested in Cartier right now. So, I think that was great. a very good move. No, and, and I realized like, I, again, I look, I look at these watches and I'm like, okay, 
what am I doing with the, all this stuff? Like it was time to just kind of make some chess moves. And I did that also with uh, getting some rid of some stainless sports models to get like one gold, which I think. What gold watch do you get? Uh, um, GMT gold. Oh, is it uh, root beer? No, it's um. Oh yeah, you showed it's it a to 16, me. It's a sixteen seventy five. Is it two tone? No, it's solid gold. Solid gold, and it's in the safe off-site somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it wants to break into your pocket. Slow <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not there. No, it's, it's not. not by my bedside <laughs> table. Yeah, exactly. Next to the joy exactly. of sex. Uh, next to my Glock. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, but no, I thought you know those were. My brother was really my brother. My brother was buying gold Rolexes when nobody wanted them. He, he was like go to Vegas a lot because he lives in L.A. And I was like, where did you get that? Bark president. He's like, oh, pawn shop, five grand. You know, it's really? like that kind of stuff. Those are cool. Buck, buck, finish yeah. Rolexes. Are yeah, cool. very cool. And then, uh, you know, or he'd come back with like a gold Daytona. I've fallen and down the Midas wormhole. Those are great. I don't think but, I, I think they're beautiful. I think they're amazing. Rihanna, more one. I mean, is that hers? Yeah. Well, no, she, she, uh, she, 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 she said, Phil, where'd it's, you get yours? It's your baby. I love that. <laughs> it's your baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, newsflash. Yeah. yeah. She's with my child. No, I do think they're fantastic. Um, you don't think it's your style? It's not W and Brown? It's, you know, like, I don't know. I don't have the confidence to pull that off. What? You yeah. have confidence. You have boundless confidence, right? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's a thin veil. <laughs> Underneath is a shattered, <laughs> yeah, weeping just, child. Yeah, like in fetal hunch, position. Hunched in the corner, <laughs> yeah. daubed in his own excrement. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, but I think it is, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful watch. Um, I've gone full down that rabbit hole of Midas Cellini, that, that whole kind of architectural, sculptural thing. And yeah. you know I've been doing the 70s watch thing for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. And you're... Just on my own, shouting. And, you know? <laughs> and the market is like exploding on them. No. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. No, sadly. Well, actually, in a is, good, it, is that one that you have? Is that solid white gold? Is it the Midas? Yeah, they're yeah. all solid gold. Yeah, obviously solid Midas. Gold. Midas. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I, I would bet Yolanda would like that watch. That's what I like to do. I like to buy her watches. <laughs> what are you doing with this like ombre blue dialed um, stainless Rolex? Well, that's for you. Yeah. I thought you would love it. Oh, it's it. too big. What a shame. Yeah. I'll wear it. <laughs> yeah. She destroys watches. Like, she? Oh, my God. If you give her like, you know, it's just like beat to death and chip. <laughs> no and respect. No respect. That's right. So, we keep her on a short lead with those. But <laughs> but I think that, you know, I like, um, I don't know, those. I like watches with that with purpose, you know, yeah. like watches that were designed with purpose. Sure. And I think that I feel like the Caltier tank, like the tank was yeah, designed, modeled, modeled after the tank. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like the GMTs and the Submariners and all that kind right. of stuff. Right. You know, Daytonas. Right. My, fa- my favorite Daytona. Well, you are lucky, man, because no one's interested in those watches. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, it's really a niche. Yeah, the Rolex steel sports watches. They're right? all in yeah. all in Italy. I mean, yeah, and they're so cheap. Yeah, I mean they're just lying around. You can get them for like a grand. Yeah, well they used to be like that. Right. My, my favorite, um, <clears throat> one of my favorite Daytona stories from uh, doing the book is we went to go photograph um, Mario Andretti's. Oh, that's right. So I went to go photograph this gold Hoyer yeah. that was given to him that he wore and raced. It had like burn marks from the heat of the engine. Oh, really? On the band. Amazing. Right. But the cool thing about Andretti was he never got rid of one watch right. that he ever had 
was given, collected, right. whatever. From the watch that was given to him as a child from his uncle to like plastic Ferrari watches. But in, so he had them all on a table about this big. So how many? Were there? there were dozens and dozens. He right. dumped them out of a box. <laughs> okay. And then in the middle were like, I don't know, three or four early like big red Daytonas and right. stuff, right? And I was like, Mario, where'd you get all those Daytonas? And he goes, uh, I did win that race a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt, I felt like well such a heel. Well, I was like, well played Matt well played yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but he was he was amazing incredibly generous and had the coolest like bar man cave with like all his trophies and rings and ribbons all like under a glass bar so he could like make a drink and set it there and he'd be like "Mm, hmm Indianapolis (laughs) 500 you know right but that was and like pinball machines with his likeness oh really yeah oh god I feel like that's when you've really made it when you have, have a pinball pin, machine yeah. with your likeness. That's you, my goal. You and Hefner. Oh, I'm Matt. We're wrapping up? No, he said, I'm super boring. And <laughs> Not at all. I was trying to be discreet. I was trying to be discreet. Apparently. <laughs> was, Wait, you might as well just have a cue card. I know. Someone's just come in with a cue card. Uh, that was the cue. Apparently, we were. We, we've run out of time. Yeah, we've run out of time. Well, I just want to say, Matt, it's been such a delight having you here, man. Thank and, you. And Fun. real joy. Great. To, welcome to Blatheropolis. Uh, a, 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 a great opportunity for me to be a part of this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you read that off a teleprompter. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but thanks again for coming in, man. It's yeah. been a real joy. My pleasure. Thanks, Phil. Anytime.